everyone, and welcome back to Crowning Around, a podcast where three regular everyday peasants do their best to learn about the royal family through their portrayals in film and television. My name is Sam Chung, and today, following up on our last episode in which we took a look at The Other Bolin Girl, we will be going back several centuries to examine for the first time on the podcast the reign of Queen Elizabeth I via the HBO two-part miniseries Elizabeth I, directed by, of course, Tom Hooper, and starring Helen Mirren, Jeremy Irons, Hugh Dancy, Ian McDiarmid, and apparently Eddie Redmayne, eventually... Uh, today we'll be talking specifically about part one, but it is a long part one, so there's a bit to cover. And joining me as always to break it all down are my two co-hosts. First, a man who likes to suss out situations with a fake beard before making himself known. It's Ivan Vukovic. Ivan, if you are in a room with 10 people, uh, how many of them do you think would recognize you if you were wearing a fake beard? <laughs> I, I have a real beard most of the time. <laughs> Yes, but the fake beard would be different than your real beard to throw people off. So it would be like a big, bushy Santa Claus-type beard? Exactly, and you would hold it on a popsicle stick, <laughs> similar to the guy in the show. Um, I mean, do any of these people know me otherwise? <laughs> um, no, none of them know you. Then it doesn't really make a difference, does it? You think you could fool all 10 people? Uh, what year is it? It's 1579. <laughs> All right, I'll fool all 20 of them. (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, Also, back with us today, a woman who uh, doodles in all of her forged letters to make them as inauthentic as possible. It's Carlin Greenwald. Carlin, do you have a go-to doodle, or is it a different doodle every time? I mean, my go-to doodle is usually like drawing black holes, like where you just draw circles and circles and circles (laughs) and circles circles until like you've ripped the page. Um, I do those. I, I can draw a hippo. I can draw a cat. Ooh. I can draw a dog. I can draw mountains. Yeah, that's the the, the hippo, cat, and dog. Anyone can draw a mountain. (laughs) They can draw mountains. Then then my hippo, cat, and dog are are my number one then. Never, never like a gallows? That'd probably be as easy as a mountain. I guess, yeah. I mean, that was crazy. He was like, look at this letter that I just found. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Uh, my God. That's crazy. Um, Okay, so before we you know, dive too deep into this. As always, right off the top, we want to say that um, we don't know anything about the royal family or this, more specifically, we don't know anything about this era of the royal family. This is like way further back than anything that we've really touched upon in the crown. So if you came here for any sort of factual clarity, you have not come to the correct place because we don't know. We're going to assume that everything we saw here is correct because otherwise, why would it make the movie? Um, So, Carlin, you have a recap, but... Ivan, you found this, and you were like, we need to watch this. What drew you to this piece of art of cinema? Well, first of all, last week, uh, you know, we discussed the other Boylin girl, and it essentially kind of sets up Elizabeth I. Like, it, it kind of gives you the, the the prequel origin story of where she came from. Um, but this movie, you know, felt like it was going to give us a, a, a much better, like broad overview of what her whole deal was. Um, and it had a heck of a lot of star power. I mean, between Helen Mirren, Jeremy Irons, uh, Palpatine from Star Wars, like there's, <laughs> there's a lot of recognizable names in here. Um, and you know, Tom, Tom Hooper, uh, you know, of, uh, the King's speech fame, like it, it just had, a lot of the elements of what we look for in this podcast when we're deciding what to review outside of the the primary seasons of The Crown. So yeah, 
it seemed like a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) Ominous. Um, Sure. Okay. So Carlin, can you give us a recap of what we saw here in Elizabeth the first part one of two? Um, Yes, I can. I mean, we're going to try here. Who knows how it'll go, but we're we're in Elizabethan England, which I guess was the late 1500s. Pretty sure on that. We are pretty decently far into Elizabeth the first, who, as we know, is the daughter of Anne Boleyn and King Henry VIII. Um, at this point, she is middle-aged and she has not married and she has not had an heir, which has created this very um, uncertain sort of political climate where basically all the factions in England are trying to fight to get like sort of their person in line to be the next heir if there's not going to be an heir. And meanwhile, there is war brewing with the Catholic countries, primarily like Spain is currently kind of an adversary issue, maybe a little bit France too, but basically there's there's a lot going on. And uh, people don't really think Elizabeth is quite doing her job because she has, <laughs> she's got no air. She's just making everything so much worse than it has to be. But basically, we know that Elizabeth has this, I believe it's called a favorite. It's kind of like a lover who, in this case, is the Earl of Leicester, played by Jeremy Irons. And she really does like him, but all her sort of court, or her, I guess her advisors, are like, no, please marry someone else. We need some alliances here. Like, things are going badly. So they take her, and in particular, they want her to consider the Duke of Anjou, who I believe is... French. They want to do an English-French alliance against the Spanish. And meanwhile, among this, there is a very close assassination call where someone managed to get into the actual place where Elizabeth was. I'm assuming it was a castle of some kind and got really close, but the plot was foiled. So everyone sort of starts to get like even more ramped up about like things are going bad. Like, you know, we really need to figure this out. We need to start forming some more strength in the court of Elizabeth I. So she does meet the Duke of Anjou, and she likes him, but what ends up happening is the people don't. And so her advisors are like, not this one. I know we set you up with this one, but it's uh, it's not happening. I'm sorry. So they end up having to dump him. And meanwhile, they're sort of like the spy master and like all her, her peeps are trying to figure out like who was going to assassinate her. And it starts pointing toward Mary, Queen of Scots, who is her cousin, I don't think we have heard of her in our little world before, but like history, you kind of know the name. And so basically Elizabeth talks to her and Mary is like, no, like I would never do that to you. But um, of course, we then, they find evidence against her and uh, Mary is killed much to Elizabeth or she's executed, I guess, much to Elizabeth. Like she was very upset about that because it was a it was her family. And uh, you don't need to assassinate your family. But in this world, I guess they do that a lot. And meanwhile, there's tensions. They continue to rise to the point where. They think they're Spain. I guess Spain is attacking them. Spain is attacking them. And the Earl of Leicester gets sent to sort of be the, in the front lines. And Elizabeth decides that she wants to do that too. Like she wants to sort of show more of a unified front. And so she goes with the Earl of Leicester. She meets um, his stepson played by Hugh Dancy who is young and you can kind of see there's some cougar vibes going on there, but like it hasn't really been addressed yet. They then go to the battle and in the end, the Spanish, I think the Spanish are defeated because they were like looking at the ships and they were like, oh, somehow it was good. So that, that was a victory of some kind. I don't know what's going on with war, but the Earl of Leicester suddenly falls ill 
And then we get led to his deathbed where uh, he tells Elizabeth he does love her and she'll be taken care of. And I'm pretty sure he dies. Thank you, Carlin. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that they win as well in what might be the most anticlimactic like fight scene. We get like the full like Braveheart, you know, speech. And then I feel like these people she gives a speech to never see any battle. Um, <laughs> it's like Twilight. It's a, it's a crazy way to save some money in your production, I suppose. Especially um, <laughs> when they, yeah, it was wild. This movie had some, they spent their money in very specific places. <laughs> they really did. I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm unsure where to be. I guess we'll start with this portrayal of Queen Elizabeth I, who we have not seen in film and television so far. I don't know that she would be flattered with this portrayal of herself. She seems to me to be, she always wanted to do something and it felt like the people around her could pretty easily convince her to do one thing or another. She was prone to these like fits of anger um, and rage that could really kind of like set her off course. Um, and it seemed like she never really got what she wanted ever. So I, I don't, I don't know what to make of her. Yeah. I mean, she kind of seemed like a, like, it's interesting that in the crown, I remember they were like, Oh, this will be the second Elizabethan age as if this was like a really good time period. So when I went into it, it seemed like there was a lot of bad things happening. You're like, what, <laughs> when, when does it get good? Yeah, th there were a couple of times throughout this, uh, I don't know if we call it a movie, a miniseries, or an episode, but a couple times throughout this where I thought to myself, you know, I'm watching, you know, her deliver a certain uh, speech or monologue, and I have to, like, remind myself, like, this is Helen Mirren. You have to assume she's doing all of this intentionally. Like, you have to assume she knows what she's doing. But... It's questionable. Yeah, it felt mm -hmm. very theatrical. Not like as in like it was for the theater. I don't know. It, and maybe that's Tom Hooper. I feel like not maybe. It's definitely Tom Hooper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that actually explains a lot because like there is a lot of telling rather than showing in this movie, mm -hmm. which I feel like you can get away with in, in a stage production, but not here on screen in fact like it would not surprise me to learn that this was just act one of a two-act play that for some reason went to screen rather than film or rather than theater i agree and having watched part one i will say i don't think it could i think it could have all been one part like this part one could have been an hour i just can't tell what the primary narrative thread is here i mean like maybe you can never do that with like biopics but it's like what was i supposed to, like what was like the big takeaway from this because you're right like nothing ha like nothing happened in like her life it didn't yeah. feel like she had like a goal that she was ever going for yeah i i i remember i don't know if it was like the hbo synopsis of of the movie but something about how this was going to be about both the public and private life of elizabeth the first and it really seemed like there was no distinction between the two. Like her <laughs> private life was her public life. Yeah. And I feel like she more so than maybe any royal or more than like any monarch that we've seen portrayed on the screen so far was actually like out there interacting with the people, perhaps to like her own detriment because people wanted to assassinate her. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> But, like, she would, like, get off the carriage from whatever trip she was going on and just, like, chat with people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and her advisors would be like, don't do that. 
and and int- int- <laughs> and interestingly, like as we saw in our previous, you know, discussion, uh, like her father Henry did not do that. Like no. he, but by the time of his reign, it was like the the monarchs untouchable. The the monarchs over in the ivory tower, not going to interact with the common folk. But I guess you know the other Boleyn girl could afford that ivory tower since it had literally seven times the budget of this. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Can you imagine we could only afford for her to be outside and we guess people would be there. <laughs> Elizabeth I was dealt a pretty tough hand because her father, Henry VIII, decided he was going to separate from the Catholic Church. Then he died and it seems like everything got passed on to Elizabeth, basically. So she's kind of like the... Well, I guess she's not the first person because her older sister, Mary, would have had to deal with it first. So I guess she's like kind of like the second person who's had to deal with this. Um, We see her get excommunicated. We see everybody wanting to take over uh, the well, everybody wanting to invade England and take over the country. But I don't know that we ever saw anything that she did specifically to really deserve this. It seems like they kind of portrayed it as just like, oh. She got dealt a shitty hand. Yeah, I mean, she's she's, she's paying for the sins of her father. Like, but the the other thing that really did not work about this is that all of those threats, you know, Spain and France and the Pope and and to to a lesser degree, uh, you know, uh, Mary, Queen of Scots, these were all invisible antagonists. Like Mm -hmm. throughout the entire movie, I kept waiting for there to be some scene in, you know, in Rome or 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 in Paris or or even up in, uh, you know, Edinburgh, I want to say, I, I'm not sure, but I, I wanted to like see what these, you know, threats were conspiring and plotting against her, what they were even saying about her. But instead, it's all just, you know, endless references to the Netherlands, <laughs> which, which, like, the Dutch get brought up so much in this movie, and and do we even get two seconds of screen time in the Netherlands? No, we don't. Um, I feel like they try to paint. So they try to paint. Mary, Queen of Scots, uh, the Queen's cousin, as this antagonist. But at the end of the movie, I'm still not convinced that she did anything. <laughs> like, it seems like her counsel are just kind of painting her as the villain. Like, I, what is it? What's the takeaway? I'm not convinced. I, I wasn't either. That was really sad. <laughs> <laughs> These women just keep getting killed. I felt so bad for her. And I don't know. I guess we don't, we don't know what the truth is, but. Something seemed a little bit sus. Here's the thing. Like, Elizabeth is the queen. Everybody's, like, pressuring her to to order kind of like the hit. The hit is not the right word. But, like, the execution of mm-hmm. Mary to eliminate the threat. It's not going to eliminate the threat, really, because the sentiment will still be there. If that is the public sentiment, like, that'll only kind of, like, rile up the public even more. Mm-hmm. Um, for some inexplicable reason, she signs the death warrant and then is, like, but don't show anybody that I signed this. The de- oh my god! The decisions make no sense. <laughs> just, just <laughs> keep, just keep it with you. Don't give it to anyone. It, it, she says, just you know, she tells the guy like, pretend it isn't even signed. Pretend this hasn't happened. It's like, rip it up or keep <laughs> it with you. Just like why, and why did that guy then go and disobey the queen? Like, did did she not behead him afterward? I don't know, but that didn't make sense. Okay. It seemed like she wanted to, which I guess brings us back. So part one, 
I guess if we're talking about the main thread, for at least like two thirds of this part one, it was Elizabeth needs to get married and produce an heir. The main kind of like conflict here comes between sort of like this triangle between her, Jeremy Irons' character of the Earl of Leicester, and this uh, French guy, Anjou. Jeremy Irons, I felt like very underutilized here. I feel mm-hmm. like the only thing he said Wait, are for, you serious? I feel like <laughs> the only thing he said for half an hour was don't marry don't marry him. I feel like you know. <laughs> Oh, okay, okay. Under underutilized in the sense that they didn't know what to do with him. Because I was yes. gonna say he was very overexposed in this movie. Like he was, he was overexposed. I don't think this was the best use of his talents. I, I, I will say, like, the first maybe five minutes of this movie, I was really optimistic because like it, it presented itself as this like very kind of like quippy whimsical uh tale like you know the way that they bantered with each other like jeremy irons and helen mirren i was excited and then they didn't really build off that at all like it it really just lost the thread quickly for me the Earl of Leicester is going to save Elizabeth from an assassination attempt. We've now seen an assassination attempt in both this and in the Downton Abbey movie part one. What was the worst assassination attempt? <laughs> like well, the most incompetent or? Yes, the most incompetent. I mean, this guy got pretty close, whereas I think in Downton Abbey, I don't think the king was even aware <laughs> in the moment that there was an assassination attempt. Yeah, so I'll, I'll give it to Downton Abbey. They they had the worst time. This guy, he had to stop before it, but he got close. Speaking of this guy, though, do you guys know? Or do you guys know what I'm about to say? No. No. The guy who played the assassin, Gifford, mm-hmm. played by one Simon Woods. Do you know who that is? The name is familiar. Was he Birdie or something? No, he was Roddy in The Queen's Sister and also Mr. Bingley in Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> And in this, all of which came out in the same year. Oh my God, this guy was having quite a year. Wow. Speaking of people that we recognize, though, the original Michael Adine is in this in this movie as well. Uh, mm-hmm. He plays, and I, I actually didn't realize this, he plays Sir Francis Bacon. They kept calling him Francis, and I was like, oh, it's Francis Bacon. Wait, Sam, I think you have it wrong. Do I? <laughs> Yeah, there. Because uh, I'm looking at the cast list right now, uh, I think Francis Bacon shows up in part two. There's two Francis's in this miniseries. Oh, no, I thought he was definitely. I. I mean, there's two Francis's, but I thought we saw both of them in part one. What was Francis Bacon's role in part one? I thought he was also like in an advisorly role. Like, so you're saying that there were two Francis's as advisors? In the last movie we watched, there were multiple Thomases. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's I don't think it's unreasonable to come to this conclusion. Maybe I'm wrong because they also do look very similar. I don't know, guys. They they all have the same name. I don't know what they're doing in history. I don't know what year it is. Yeah, I think the the Francis that was in this movie is Sir Francis Walsingham, who was the the Queen's secretary. You think we only saw this Francis? Uh, I believe so. Okay. That could very well be true, but Michael Adine will show up. Okay. <laughs> according to in the credits. Part two. In, in part two. It seems like uh, Elizabeth I and the Earl of Leicester have a long history that we don't see much of, but it seems like in an alternate universe, they could be together, but because of her, uh, you know, her role 
as queen of England, uh, it, it just can never be. So is he just too low ranking? Is that his problem? There'd be no political advantages to the marriage. Like they desperately need her to marry somebody that's going to like curry favor and, and help her out and make her not as big of a target to, to the rest of Catholic Europe. You know, at this point, it's like, you know, you have nothing. You might as well keep just have nothing. At the same time, though, the Earl of Leicester's motivation here is a little is, is a little sus because we also see a side plot where he's marrying or where he's I don't even know if it's a secret or if Elizabeth is just like blissfully unaware that he's <laughs> married to like the Lady of Essex. And yet he's still trying to be like, but she love, but the queen still loves me. I can get what I want. But what does he want? Oh, I thought she was dead. <laughs> Jeremy Irons. I don't know. Wait, you thought who was dead? I thought the Jer- I thought that um Lester's wife was dead. That's not true. Apparently, that changes things. <laughs> Wait, you're talking about the Lady Essex? Yeah, I, I didn't. It's fine. Now I see. Oh, now I wait. See. You 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 thought she was dead like after the seven year time jump or? It's somewhere oh, yeah. along the way. I thought this was a legitimate pairing, and it wasn't. Oh, interesting. It's yeah, because because I thought it was just their their unseen son that passed away, right? The unseen son definitely passed away. A lot happens that. off screen. Okay, okay. <laughs> I don't it. know if the lady also died. Yeah, well, okay. Is is this like the reverse of Mary from the last movie, where like you just kind of want to be the the queen's lover? And just sort of see what happens. I yeah, I guess actually that's a good uh, that's a good analogy. All right, so we meet uh, Anju, who is the main suitor. He's the he's what like the he's from France, but he's somehow tied to Spain. He's like the brother of the king of Spain. I thought he was the brother of the king of France. Oh, he's the brother of the king of France. Okay, sorry. Um, and that'll help them forge an alliance against Spain. He brings an envoy to intro to like I guess suss out the waters, but he's also there in secret, which is a good move, I think, because it's you pretty know, cool. Yeah, it's pretty mm-hmm. cool, pretty tricky. So they take Liz out on the boat, and <laughs> this guy is like, "He's here right now. Guess which one it is." <laughs> you know, it, it's funny because like that scene on the boat was probably like visually the most interesting thing to happen in the whole movie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And Elizabeth guesses incorrectly three times, I want to (laughs) say, before she just gives up and is like, just tell me who it is. (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine that's your meat cute? (laughs) Your wife just doesn't want to, you know, she just gives up on the game trying to figure out who you are. Oh my God. Earlier though, uh, Elizabeth has asked her cab, is it her cab? I guess it's not her cab, like her counsel basically, like, of those who have met this guy before, like, is he hot? And- oh my God, <laughs> I love that part. And Francis just like will not say that he's hot or not. He's like, he's not unattractive, but he's not attractive. <laughs> and Elizabeth is like, what? <laughs> what does that mean? I feel like it must be so terrifying. I mean, not, uh, you know, in a vain sense, it must be so terrifying to get into these marriages because like, it's not like you could have a photograph. And those paintings aren't accurate. And like, if you don't have a painting. But actually, she and Anju hit it off. She likes this guy. And for the record, I don't think he's that bad looking. He's fine. Yeah, yeah. He's, 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 he's totally fine. Like, I mean, like, I imagine by like royal standards, he's probably like, you know, in the top 20%, right? I would 
imagine. I feel like they were kind of ugly back then. <laughs> Have you seen the... Okay, look, maybe the paintings are all ugly. But, like, it, I cannot find anyone <laughs> who has a really good portrait. D- didn't you yeah. say Henry VIII was supposed to be hot? Oh, yeah, I guess he was. Um, <laughs> I have to look up top 20 hottest people in... Uh, 16th century like medieval <laughs> <laughs> i just feel like we don't know i don't i don't like that we don't know report back to us when you're done <laughs> all right um the problem with anjou is that he is a catholic and he is not going to change his beliefs if they get married and so a weird thing that happens is that even though he's here they still have to like hide him from the people in the court because they don't want there to be any bad reactions so there's this weird scene where they're having a dance and he has to watch through like a screen door oh yeah <laughs> and he's salty because he's like they won't let me dance with her i just have to watch her but then two minutes later elizabeth waves at him and they're like wait who are you waving at and then she just <laughs> brings him out anyways <laughs> I don't understand why they wanted to do a French alliance in the first place, because aren't those two countries, like, mortal enemies? Like, at that (laughs) point, you should have just gotten, like, a Spanish guy. I think that in this case, it might be a case of, um, like, the enemy of my enemy is my friend or whatever. Because I think at this point, Spain is the bigger enemy because Henry was married to Catherine from Spain. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. So they have more of a claim to the English throne. Because because Spain is also kind of like the big global superpower at this point. Like England isn't really like shit, right? I think that's right. I mean, it seems yeah. so. They it, they talk about Spain having a much bigger navy that we never see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> the Spanish Armada. They're just like if they if they put up the black and white flag, it means we won. Cue a CGI black and white flag. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, no one likes Anjou. <laughs> he comes out and there's like scattered applause and Elizabeth just berates them. She's like, clap, you dogs. <laughs> oh my God. Big Jeb Bush energy. Oh my God. And that that was one of the moments where I was like, ooh, I don't know if I like Elizabeth. This is, this is a lot. There's a lot of energy coming from her. It's just very weird because like she doesn't seem like she doesn't seem like she wants to get married. And so her just going so she was trying too hard with this duke. Yeah, we see this like gold or we've heard we've heard talk about this like Elizabethan age that was supposedly so great. But I feel like Elizabeth has a little bit of Henry VIII in her because somebody writes a letter or like a a memo that basically like shit talks on you and is like this guy not a great match you know he's not good for her and she cuts off this guy's hand (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah that's crazy there's some random violence in this (laughs) and it was so graphic they like when we talk about like where the budget went it was into the prosthetics Yeah. It was so bizarre because like the, n- nothing of any kind of visual significance would really happen in the movie. And then all of a sudden you get these like insane scenes of just like <laughs> gore and like mutilation. And it's just like, what? Like this is supposed to be like an HBO slash Channel 4 joint production on a, you know, five million pound budget. And 
yeah, the 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 gore was so out of nowhere and gratuitous and unnecessary because like there, everything else in the movie was just so small and scaled down in comparison. And like, I looked on the Wikipedia page for this movie. Do you know where they shot this movie? Can you take a guess? Uh, some field in England. Yeah, I was gonna say like in a studio, probably <laughs> like in the UK, Lithuania. <laughs> oh. And it says, it says on the Wikipedia, the series was filmed in Lithuania where massive sets were constructed inside a sports arena that was abandoned in the 1970s. <laughs> wow. Which like explains wow. so much that like, like how, how small and confined everything looks like they, they were basically just trying to like construct a castle in the middle of like MetLife Stadium. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, to that, like, eventually Elizabeth is going to go on, like, this witch hunt of, like, persecuting all the Catholics. And we see, like, they're disemboweling this guy, like, oh with kind of, like, a lever and just, like, oh. pulling out all of his intestines. It's so nasty. No, the, I wasn't there. It was, like, it felt like a succession of having to watch a bunch of different torture things at once to the point where I just, like, skipped ahead by a minute because I, like, didn't want to watch it anymore. Well... It's so unexpected because in the beginning they catch the assassin, right? And yeah. all they do is like pull on his arms and legs a little bit. And he's like, yeah. I'll tell you what you need to know. I'll be your spy. And it's like, oh, okay. It's not going to be like that gratuitously, you know, graphic. Mm -hmm. And just like cut to like 20 minutes later, people are like getting cut open, beheaded oh. in like two. The Mary beheading. Yeah. Also crazy. Like, I, yeah. <laughs> like, like, yeah. So unnecessary. It becomes like a plot point, honestly, that like it took two chops to get her head off and they show both chops just so much. We like it, it didn't need to be shown from that angle. Like we could have gotten the idea if like we were just like looking at her face and saw like uh, an incomplete blow land like behind her. I, I mean, oh, this this was so befuddling. It made you be like they need the guillotine. They do. Honestly, they need it. Because trusting one guy to axe off someone's head, like, oh, man. No, that was rough. This was honestly kind of worse than Game of Thrones. Well, yeah, when Ned gets when Ned Stark gets beheaded, you don't see that. Shit. No, you don't see that. <laughs> nope. No, this was this was awful. Yeah, this was like, you know, old school Sam Raimi, like zombie movie vibe. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh, my God. But anyways, the people are so against this uh, marriage between Elizabeth and Anjou that eventually, you know, it's just decided that it can't happen. The council is like, nope, we can't do this. The people will turn. And they send Anjou back. Um, this makes Lester very happy because he's been, you know, very against this marriage uh, from the beginning. But um, it really it really bothers Liz she writes Anjou like a farewell poem that is purely voiceover, which was interesting. Classic. It was one of the more interesting choices of the of the movie. At this point, roughly, she also learns that uh, Lester and the, the Lady Essex are secretly married. She gets so mad, she banishes this guy <laughs> from court. She never wants to see him again. And just like another one, like the mood swings are... So intense. Uh, yeah, you're right. She is her father's daughter. And I guess <laughs> Anne Boleyn was kind of like this too. Maybe she had no chance. She probably yeah. should have just gone off and lived in the country. 
And and she was and she was raised by Mary, right? I think so, yeah. Got but the it. weird thing is, she's like, I never want to see you again. And then they just like trap him on the balcony. Which is <laughs> <laughs> like an interesting move if you're banishing someone. Like you're just gonna trap him out of there wasn't like a stairway down? I don't know. Not that I saw it. It just looked like a balcony. <laughs> she like beckons to the <laughs> the guards to like close the door and just leave him on the balcony there. <laughs> Probably couldn't afford to build like the stairway in the set. <laughs> Oh like my this, God. Ugh, like this movie just looked so cheap. Yeah. Like in 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 a, in a distracting kind of way, where like yes. there there you know there's this weird uh, discrepancy between like the star power of this movie and like the set design. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Liz has made the Pope so mad that he excommunicates her and tells everybody that if she's killed, it wouldn't be a murder. Can you imagine the Pope? today being like yeah you can murder this person it would be fine like that's a wild thing to just exclaim i guess i just the funny thing is i kept thinking about how jeremy irons played a pope what would have been a hundred years before so though that pope would would do the same thing maybe this is just the precedent i don't know who was the pope after the borgia pope though wait when did jeremy irons play the pope um he played the pope in the showtime Borgia show, which I think aired in like oh. 20 to 2011, something like that. Oh, mm-hmm. I see. I see. Yeah. So that Pope was crazy. So maybe there was just a couple hundred years of real weird, violent Popes. I, I, thought, I thought that was funny. They used huh. to be wild back then. Yeah. It just makes me wonder like if Francis has a dark side, one day he's just kind of like snap. That's like so much power. Honestly, it's almost like a hit. It's like kind of like demanding a hit on somebody in like a position of power. Again, I, this feels very right for this time period. I think Francis, our Francis, I think he's a sweet man. I don't think he'd do that. But if he does, I guess I won't be surprised. I don't really know. But yeah, they're <laughs> putting the hit out on a queen. They're all just, can you imagine just being a normal person? And then you just hear like, yeah. <laughs> The Pope wants to kill the Queen of England oh just God. casually. Religion's terrible. This movie's proving it. It's terrifying. They didn't, have, they didn't have to do all those things to those Catholics. That was unnecessary. Did either of you at least get a kick out of the fact that her physician was named Dr. Lopez? Yes. I did. I yeah. guess he was he Spanish? I Must have been, so. right? They let a Spanish doctor into this court. Yeah. <laughs> He could have assassinated her. Like, what's the story behind that? I don't know. Do you think he was, like, historically the doctor? They were just kind of like, let's put a Spanish guy in here. I feel like it was way too deliberate of a choice for it to have not been accurate, right? I hope so. And it was a line that that didn't need to be in in it at all. Like, if she hadn't, like, I think the line is she just says, like, he inspects her vagina Make sure that she can still have kids. And she's like, thank you, Dr. Lopez. She doesn't need to do that. They, <laughs> they went, went out, out of their, their way, way to like name the physician. Yeah. Yeah. That was weird. Like, and it was so distracting. She would just been like, thanks, Kanye. <laughs> <laughs> but also those medieval, I just want to know what they would even figure out. Like they, do they know anything back then? Is how old, how old was she supposed to be? I have no be? idea how old she is. Honestly, because Helen Mirren looks like she was in her like later middle age and you're like, I don't know, maybe she couldn't have had a kid anyway. <laughs> I yeah, I was I was confused about the age thing because I remember I saw uh, the 
the Mary Queen of Scots movie from a couple of years ago, the one that uh, Sir Sir Ronan was in, mm-hmm. and also um, uh, Margot, uh, Mar- Robbie Mar- Mar- Margot Robbie yes. was Elizabeth, and I feel like it featured some of the events of what we're seeing here, specifically like the conflict between the two of them. But like, obviously like Margot Robbie, like still is a lot younger than Helen Mirren was at at the time of this shooting. Yeah. So maybe it would, maybe you'd buy it more if it was a younger actress. Cause I was just watching this being like, I, I think her days are done for, for childbearing. Two years after this, Helen Mirren is going to play Nicholas Cage's mother in National Treasure 2. <laughs> <laughs> That's wild. The fact <laughs> Also, like isn't she also like a year or two after this gonna play Elizabeth II in, in The Queen? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Jeez. So interesting I mean, like I guess you get your star power, but you would assume there's like a younger star power actress that could have also pulled this off and saved Helen Mirren. <laughs> If they full, if they truly want to make this like a full life like biopic, if it should be multiple actors, like they should do a, they should pull the crown right and do like multiple actresses. Yeah, I'd I'd rather they didn't though. No, well, at least put some make. I don't know. She just she didn't look young enough. <sighs> yeah, I, I don't know. I I don't get the sense that the entirety of Elizabeth the first life is as interesting as the entirety of Elizabeth the second's. I guess so. Well, has Elizabeth II ever disemboweled anybody? Uh, I I think that's coming in season five. <laughs> From what I understand, she hired somebody else to do it. Mm. We also in this we also haven't even met. We got a seven year time jump in this in this movie, and so seven years between like a ten year old boy and Hugh Dancy. <laughs> like that's all it takes. Oh my god, that made her weird flirting with him even weirder. Oh yeah, he he must have still been jailbait, right? Oh yeah. yeah. I think he was supposed to be like a teenager. Yes, for mm. sure. Uh, he comes in really hot. He really does. He's yes, probably he does. Been, he's been practicing this line for probably years. Mm-hmm. Um to say to the queen. <laughs> yeah. And she treats him like such a child at first. It's kind of like I got secondhand embarrassment. Oh my god. What a moment. What a movie. That's like a small thing that's going to get teased later because basically they decide that the midpoint, I guess, of this two-part miniseries is the death of her true love, for all intents and purposes, uh, the Earl of Leicester. What's wrong with this guy? Wait, wait, is he your true love? Like, I don't, I don't, I, I don't, don't get know. the sense that she I sees think it that she way. She thinks that. <laughs> I think she thinks that too. I think she thinks that they're like star-crossed, just like never meant to be together. They're so hot and cold. Oh, interesting. I I didn't I I didn't get that vibe at all. I I I felt like she wanted to kind of like keep him in her pocket and oh. you know just kind of like use him whenever you know she needed him or 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 fancied it. But I did not get the sense that she was deeply in love with him. But then why was she so upset when he died? Like she was really upset. Yeah, she's sitting there by his like deathbed. His wife isn't even there. No, but he but like. <laughs> He he's still a very 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 good friend to her. I feel mm. like why would you banish somebody that you're just casually like? Why would you that you know angrily send them away if there wasn't like that much feeling there? 
I just uh, like the way that she spoke, uh, you know, about and toward the Duke of Anjou during their courtship. She kept bringing up passion and developing feelings, and she never said anything of the sort concerning Robin. I, I I think he was probably like her closest friend in life, and that's why she was really upset when he died. But I did not get the sense that like she was pining after him and desperately wished that she could live in a world where this could work. I think she was very happy to just kind of have him around, but was okay about the fact that they couldn't marry. I agree that there's no way, like we get the trope a lot where like, it's like a royal person being like, I would give everything up if I could do. I did not get that sense. I agree mm -hmm. with you. But I do think that like in her mind, if she could have made it all work, she like that's what she would have preferred. I don't know. if Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. I don't think there was ever a moment of consideration for her where of like, oh, he is worth it. Like he he would be worth like foregoing like you know the the opportunity to forge these alliances with foreign powers uh foregoing the the title foregoing like uh this legs like like th there's just no way i didn't get that vibe at all you're right though at the end she does kind of like friend zone him very hard <laughs> yeah i don't know she's like we'll be we'll be friends always right <laughs> he's like always mm -hmm. but yeah he is going to die of something um, syphilis. I don't know. I feel like they all so, died of syphilis back then. Um, the timing is crazy because it's literally like immediately after they win, he just collapses and dies. So he actually goes off to the Netherlands to fight um, on the front, even though Elizabeth is like, you're really kind of like an armchair general, or I think she's a fireside general, maybe. Like you don't belong in the field. You you're you're not that you're not that great. Um, do we think something maybe happened to him there? They in should the have told us. Yeah, in the Netherlands, the which we never saw. Yeah, uh, d during that epic fight scene. <laughs> yeah, that epic off off screen fight just outside the with, uh, with the, the with sports the, arena, the giant armadas, and like yeah, the it it, it was like a Lord of the Rings like uh, you know battle for Helm's Deep level <laughs> yeah. of budget. I think it's on the DVD. Yeah, I I, I didn't care for this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which which brings me to a question. Sure. Do we even bother watching and reviewing part two? All right. So here, I think before we before we talk about you know whether we want to or not, let's just talk about what we saw in the preview of part two. Oh yeah, there was a preview. There was a preview <laughs> of part two at the end of part one. In which we saw Elizabeth and uh, Lester's stepson, played by Hugh Dancy, their faces getting very close together. What else did we see? What was what else was in the preview? That I feel like that was the main thing in the preview. That's all I can remember. Yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> so they're really teasing Elizabeth, you know, really falling for this teenager. So that is what we have to look forward to in part two. And we also know Eddie Redmayne is <laughs> is listed as a cast member. Ah. Uh... That uh, doesn't doesn't sell it for me, honestly. <laughs> no, like, this this was just very slow and dull, and it's not a world I want to spend more time in. Well, so you have you have learned all you need to know about Queen Elizabeth the first. More than I want to know, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we have a nay. Uh, yeah, one one formal nay. Carlin, what do you think? Oh no, I have like no opinion on this because I I do sort of want to see Hugh Dancy and. Helen Mirren kiss because that just sounds like I'll never see that again but at the same time 
I was not particularly enthralled with this. Um, <laughs> you 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 got to pick a side, Carla. Oh my god. I guess no. What are we gonna find? A <laughs> what else is left? Uh, Sam? This puts me in a really tough predict. So if I say yes, will it go? What are we doing? It goes to the wheel. I guess so. Uh, sure. Yeah, we can. Well, because let it's a split decision. Like, I don't want to. I I don't think one person saying yes should mean necessarily that it's like a yes on behalf of all of us. Yeah. So you're you're right. We're, we're like in order to to convict. It has to be unanimous. To convict. <laughs> yeah. Um, good rule. Here's what I'll say. Would I watch part one again? No. It's tough because there's a part of me that really wants to take it to the wheel, but ultimately I can't see any more graphic, you know, just like dismemberment, disembowelment. Because oh, because that's the reason this sucked. <laughs> I mean, it's one of the reasons, but that was the moment when I was like, I literally cannot watch. Like... When they're just like being over the top and there's no plot going on, I can watch it. But that moment was like, I can't even look at this. <laughs> yeah, like I, I am a completist. I'm like a bitter ender. I, I will yeah. watch a sh- uh, like a TV show long after it has stopped like being like worthwhile. Like we're talking like all ten seasons of Smallville. Like I'm still <laughs> watching Doctor Who. Like I, I will just keep watching things no matter like how much they've lost the thread. And I don't want to watch like a single other minute of this. Wow. So I will say, no, I do not want to watch part two of this. Wow. (laughs) Feels good. (laughs) I feel like there's much better things. I would honestly rather watch the Margot Robbie, Saoirse Ronan, (laughs) Mary Queen of Scots movie than watch part two of this. Yeah, that's fair. Not saying that's what we're doing. No, we're definitely not doing that because I, I remember hating that movie too. <laughs> I just think this, maybe maybe it's just that I find this era so deeply uninteresting. I think that there was interesting stuff that was happening, but I think that they drew it out for too long and it was too repetitive and they just didn't present it in an interesting way. I think there is a way to make this interesting though. Yeah, I mean, they made the, the Bolin girl interesting by taking so many creative liberties. And I imagine I imagine they probably didn't do as many with this and it was hard to squeeze out anything captivating. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I think the way to do it is, Ivan, to your point, just to show some of like the other perspectives of some of the people in power throughout like the continent at this point in time. Like, yeah. we eventually get Mary Queen of Scots, but it's literally for like, the most awkward reconciliation <laughs> mm-hmm. of the century and her beheading. We never see the Pope. We never see France, the Netherlands, Spain, or any of the other European powers at this point in time. Yeah, I mean, p- part of what makes the royals interesting is like how their actions kind of reverberate across the world and like, you know, ha- have impact on so many people and other um, uh Uh, you know, other governments, other countries, other groups, other individuals. And like, you really only see the impact that her actions are having on her like inner circle, Mm -hmm. which isn't a particularly like interesting inner circle. So it doesn't leave you with much. Yeah, this miniseries would be like watching Game of Thrones, but you only see like Cersei's point of view. And it's like, how long can you just watch like Twin Cest? I would so watch that. (laughs) 
there's so much more going on. If it was Stannis <laughs> Baratheon, then yeah, sure. This, no, this is like watching like Game of Thrones, but you only see like the Greyjoy's point of view. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's either Stannis or the Greyjoy's. Pick your least favorite family. Speaking of finishing things, <laughs> even after they've gone downhill. <laughs> but I will say, even though we're not going to watch part two, part one did not slouch on kinky moments. I thought there were plenty of kinky moments uh, here in part one. Yeah. Carla, what do you have? Okay, so my favorite one was when they were like discussing um, Anju and they were like, oh, he's like, a, like she asked, is he like a master of serving women? And they're like, he only serves the Pope. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Mine hap- my favorite one, I think, happened in the first like five minutes. It's like the Earl of Leicester goes to visit Liz. Liz tells him that she won't, you know, get married. They're, they're like talking to each other, like flirting a little bit. And he smells her so hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's an interesting move for sure. Ivan, did you have anything? Uh, no, mine was actually going to be uh, th- like specifically like that, like phrase, master of serving women. Like, <laughs> that's a good phrase. And I, that, that's, that's probably my vote. I do think that, you know, just the energy of Hugh Dancy. Should get yeah. <laughs> an honorable mention all, here at all, least. All, all two and a half minutes of it. Mm-hmm. It was like that was all they told him to do. They were like, please make this <laughs> as uncomfortable as you can. Yeah. And he was like, on it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So where are we going with this? Is it, it's Anjou and the Pope? I, I picked, yeah, Master of Serving Women. <laughs> uh, I, I second that. Oh, man. Do you think that's where he got his fake mustache from? Oh, yeah. All right. So that was part one of the 2005 HBO miniseries, Elizabeth the First. I don't know that we have anything else to say about this. I think we've exhausted everything that we can out of this two-hour part one. (laughs) Ivan, are we sharing where we're going next, or is it a surprise? Let's leave it a surprise. Let's, let's, Let's give the people something to look forward to, but mysteriously. Just like this one. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, uh, Ivan, if people want to catch up with your thoughts about the crown, uh, or rather, not the crown, about the royal family (laughs) or the crown on social media, where can they do that? It's all happening off screen. Okay. (laughs) Carlin, what about you? Um, Twitter, at Carlin Greenwald. Instagram, at Carlin underscore G-E-E. All right. And you can find me on Twitter, at Sir Sam Chung, with the best place to reach us if you have any thoughts or comments or recommendations for us is on Twitter, at CrownAroundPod. And uh, that's all we got for you this time. Thank you all for listening, and we will see you next time. And God save the queen. God save, God the, save queen. the queen. God save the queen.